Oh, I think I just make recipes that mainly a lot of times I make them from reader requests. And so I think they're things that are generally not out there a lot, or if they are out there, they're maybe a little bit more complicated than my recipes or use ingredients that are harder to find. So I think people just really like the content I make and I think it's oftentimes pretty unique. Monique, I hope all is well. This is episode 69 of the Brown Vegan Podcast, where I love to share strategies on how to start and continue a vegan lifestyle in a very practical way. And of course, bring on guests to do the same thing. You can find out more about what I do and how I do it at brownvegan.com. So yeah, I hope you're doing well. On the show today, I have my girl Sam from it doesn't taste like chicken.com. It's so funny how I actually met Sam. We were both doing a cooking demo up in Toronto for their vegan fest, like their vegan food fest. And um, I was doing my demo and I looked out in the crowd and I saw Sam out there and I recognized her from the internet. And I was like, oh my gosh, Sam is here. And pretty much embarrassed her. (laughs) But after that, we connected. And of course, now that her book is out, I said, you have to come on the podcast and share your vegan story and the book process and all of that good stuff. So here we are. Not only are we going to talk about her book deal and how she was able to secure that, the writing, the photography, everything that goes on behind the scenes of putting a book together. But we're also going to talk about how she gets a million page views a month on her website, which is insane to me. (laughs) I had no idea she had that type of traffic, even though she does very well on Pinterest. I didn't realize that she was getting that type of traffic from Google. So we're going to talk about how she literally went from zero to that, um, starting off by not knowing anything about food photography, blog writing. She didn't know any of that stuff. I love how she just shares her story because I want to show other people that if this is something that you want to do, you should definitely go after it and keep building from it. Because not only does she have a profitable blog and she's been able to have multiple streams of income from that, she also has ventured out into YouTube and she has that as another platform for her to build her business and for her to share the love of veganism, which is always a good thing, right? So yeah, I hope you enjoy this episode. You can follow me at Brown Vegan everywhere, including YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And also Sam, her handle is It Doesn't Taste Like Chicken, and her handle is the same everywhere as well. All of the show notes and everything we mentioned in this episode can be found at brownvegan.com under episode 69. And without further ado, let's go ahead and have Sam tell us her vegan story. So I watched a documentary called Vegucated. Have you watched that one? Yes. Yeah. So that I watched that one night. I was having one of those days, those weeks where you're feeling kind of like gross and bloaty. So I was like, oh, I'm going to watch this documentary about vegetables and then I'll like eat more vegetables and feel better. I didn't even realize it was a documentary about being vegan. And so, yeah, then I watched that and woke up the next day and was like, cool guess I'm going to try to be vegan. So I cleaned out my whole kitchen and uh, got rid of all the animal products. And that that's the start of that. I went vegan overnight. What? <laughs> Wait. Okay. It's kind of like when people uh, watch What the Health, because I understand why somebody would go vegan as soon as they watch What the Health, because there was so many reasons in that documentary. But Vegucated, yeah. to me, Vegucated just kind of felt like you're just going through the process and watching other people go vegan. Maybe because I was already vegan when I watched Vegucated. So maybe that's why it didn't affect me the same way. But what was it about that documentary that made you think, okay, let me go vegan after I see this? I know, I know a lot of people say that actually they're like, that one? Yeah, exactly. That's why I was like, it's not bad, but I felt like it was just um, just watching other people go vegan. It wasn't really 
all of the hard hitting, like environmental animal <laughs> rights and all of that stuff. It didn't feel like that to me, at least. Well, yeah, I think, as you know, uh, it's just like a documentary about three people basically going to being dared to go vegan for a month. Um, and I think that was the first time that I saw veganism as this like thing that might look fun and approachable and like not scary and weird and foreign. And so I just like I was just kind of intrigued. I'm like, well, this is something I can try. I don't think I, I was convinced to be 100 percent vegan at that moment. But I was like, I should try this. It's clearly healthier. It's, they're having a good time. You can eat delicious food still. You still get to eat Oreos. So life is OK. <laughs> <laughs> and then the next night um, after I like cleaned out my cupboards, because I'm the kind of person who if I try something, I'm going to like try it the whole way. Um, so that's kind of me. But then the, so the next night I was like, OK, well, I got to keep looking into this. Like maybe this is wrong. And so then I watched Forks Over Knives and I'm like, oh, I guess I really am vegan now. <laughs> oh, wow. So what in the hell did you eat then? Because you cleared out your pantry and most people are, you know, they're afraid to do that because it's like, uh, what am I going to eat? Just broccoli now? So what did that look like for you? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it wasn't like great in the beginning because I grew up in a family of foodies and chefs and butchers and hunters. So I definitely grew up eating meat and cheese and eggs and that was my favorite like I think my favorite snack at the time was like cheese and prosciutto and now I think of that oh, I'm like god. oh my god I'm killing my body <laughs> yeah. um yeah so I basically had to do a big huge grocery shopping haul and I spent like two hours in the grocery store because I just went through everything and I was like what can I eat what can I eat reading all the ingredients um and then by the time I was done I think I spent like two hundred dollars because I bought so much food and then I was like oh okay there's a lot I don't have to worry too much. I'm not going to starve. Um, and so then it was just a matter of trying to figure out how to make it be the most delicious food, which was a whole other process. <laughs> yes. And I can see why you spent $200 because you were really starting over. So you had no choice. <laughs> you had to get a little Yeah, no. And I was like literally going through like every granola bar and being like, which one's vegan? And so I, like I bought so much junk that I don't really eat anymore that I just like searching for the odd vegan things because I kind of thought there wouldn't be anything. And then I realized that there was a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. All the chips that were accidentally vegan and crackers and all sorts of stuff. <laughs> Did you use any resources online? Because I don't even think I would have been able to just overnight just jump into it like that. Did you use anything online to find out what ingredients was what or what to look for? <laughs> uh, not really. And I'm sure I bought some stuff that accidentally had like, I don't know, Carmine or something in it because I probably wouldn't have known about that. But, um, but pretty close. Yeah, I don't know. I was just looking for eggs and honey and milk and avoiding all of that. <laughs> wow. Okay. So do you remember what some of those early meals look like? Um, yeah, I have some terrible photos of them. Um, <laughs> on your website? Not on my website. Oh. I deleted them. I can't see the evidence. <laughs> you said no evidence. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause, uh, cause I started researching, um, all the vegan recipes cause I always love to cook and like food is so important to me. And so like, I just found like everything was super kale and quinoa and sprouts and hemp seeds and I'm like okay I guess this is what I'm gonna eat and so yeah all of my recipes in the beginning were like sprout salads and I'm like I guess this is good <laughs> and I'm what? like I'm sure it's healthy but yeah it wasn't what I wanted to eat so nothing was very exciting in the beginning I had to learn how to do that later <laughs> yes so what did your because you said you come from a family of hunters and chefs what mm -hmm. in the world did they say about this transition well, I actually made the switch right at the beginning of December, so I like went home for Christmas and was like, hey, I'm vegan now. <laughs> mm -mm. So that was cool. <laughs> what did they say, uh, Sam? <laughs> I don't think they 
took me seriously at first because, like, I don't know, why would you, I guess? <laughs> like, I'd never done anything like that before. And so they're just kind of like, yeah, I guess, whatever weird trend thing. Um, and that, the, that Christmas is kind of just like, well, I guess fend for yourself. Like, you're making it difficult for yourself, so you have to figure out your own food. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, no, and uh, which I did. I was happy to. Um, but then, luckily, now they've realized that I'm serious about it. And also, half of them eat mostly vegan all the time anyways now. So Nice. <laughs> okay. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Cleared out your pantry. You bought all this food. Um, how did that look in the kitchen as far as exp- experimenting? Because you said it wasn't really exciting in the beginning. So what did you do to make it more exciting for yourself? Uh, well, I'm, I'm a, I'm a research queen. I love all the researching of all the things. So yeah, I started watching all the documentaries and reading all the books. And so then of course I started looking up all the recipes online and ordering a million cookbooks cause I'm that kind of person. So yeah, I just started, uh, looking up all people's recipes and experimenting with them. And then that's when I realized that most of the stuff out there at the time was very, um, about health, uh, which is not wrong. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but everything was like very much Buddha bowls and Zen stuff and power this and energy that. And I'm like, I don't want to eat energy balls. Why do I have to learn to like energy balls? (laughs) So yeah. So then I started, um, realizing that I, that's not the way I wanted to eat. So instead I wanted to veganize my own favorite recipes that I used to love. And so I started playing in the kitchen and coming up with my own concepts. And then that's when I really fell in love with veganism. That's that's when I was like, okay, I can do this. Not only am I feeling better, am I doing something that's good for the world? I feel like I'm contributing in a way to the world. um, But now I'm actually really starting to enjoy my food. So that was a whole revolution. I love that because I think that's an issue for a lot of people. They come across the recipes when they first start and they're like, okay, this is cool in theory. Like this is good for me to do it for a challenge or for a week, but what in the world am I going to eat afterwards? So I love that you figured out a way to, like you said, veganize some of your favorite dishes like you do in your cookbook. We're going to talk about that later. What were some of your favorites in the beginning? Do you remember? Uh, right at the beginning, I mean, I think I've always been like a huge pasta person. So any pasta dish was great. So one of my favorites at the beginning was just like a simple tomato sauce, but I uh, figured out how to make a vegan Parmesan cheese. And so that was like mind blowing, even though it's like a 10 minute, not even it's like a three minute recipe. You did the um, cashews? Like, what did you use? Uh, yeah, the recipe's in my book. I use a combination of macadamia nuts, cashews, and nutritional yeast and salt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just pulse it all together, and it's so good and creamy, and it has those kind of all those flavor bites that Parmesan had. So I was like, oh, now I can actually still enjoy my pasta with that cheesy taste, which I didn't think I'd be able to do at first. So there's that, and then I just kind of learned how to make a creamy sauce. So once I figured that out, I was like, oh, my God, I can still have creamy flavors too. Like it was just like one step at a time. But um, but that's how I kind of learned and realized that I could still have all the same flavors and textures and experiences that I was used to. I just had to figure out a new way to do them. Yes, yes. I love that. And that's so true because it's it's like your mind is blown. At least mine felt like it was blown when I realized that I could eat a lot of the stuff I ate before with just a more, you know, compassionate way. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. I yeah, I relate to that. So it sounds like you became vegan because you said that you weren't necessarily focused on all of the health benefits initially so it sounds like your journey to veganism is for what reasons animal rights environmental Uh, really for all of them I think in the beginning it was the health aspect that really pushed me towards veganism because I was like oh okay like I 
felt like I had to be vegan at that point because I was like, I feel dumb eating animal products, knowing what it's doing to my body. Um, so that I think made me stay vegan in a large sense. But then of course, as I told you, I'm like a big research person. So I learned all about the environmental impacts and the animal cruelty. And I didn't want to take part in that either. So that's when of course, all the products started getting more vegan and all of that. And so yeah, my recipes aren't necessarily health focused in the sense that they're not whole food plant based all about getting superfoods and all of that, but they're still way healthier than your average meat dish, that's for sure. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. I love how approachable <laughs> your brand is. Um, tell us about um, your website. Uh, so my blog, It Doesn't Taste Like Chicken, was born. <laughs> I think that's where I thought. I thought you were Pinterest initially because I was like, wait, what is this? It's a vegan blog. You saw my chicken. What is this? And I went, well, go ahead. <laughs> But I'm bum chick. I think I'm funny. <laughs> so yeah, when I started making these recipes, I wanted to share them with my friends and family because especially because so many of them are chefs and foodies, they I think their kind of initial reaction was like, oh my God, you're never going to enjoy good food again. And I was like, no, I can, I can, let me show you. And so I started posting my recipes online on my blog. And then all of a sudden before I knew it, I was getting comments from people all over the world that were enjoying my recipes. And that's kind of when I fell in love with blogging because I feel like I'm a dog. If you like pat me on the head and tell me I'm good. I'll love you forever. So <laughs> I <laughs> totally feed off the comments. It makes my day. <laughs> That's why I wanted to bring you on the show because not only have you um, launched a successful blog, but you have a book and you've been able to monetize your brand. And I know that that's like one of the things that a lot of people want to do. They want to uh, make money from something they're passionate about and there's nothing wrong huh. with that. So that's why I wanted huh. you on the, the show to do, talk yeah. about. Huh? Say it again. Yeah. That's the best thing you can do. If you can make a living doing something you love, like can't be happier than that, I don't think. Exactly. That's why I wanted to bring you on the show to talk about your <laughs> beginnings. I wanted you to talk about that as well as like photography and the process, all of that good stuff and Wicked. difficult stuff sometimes <laughs> that goes into <laughs> blogging. So what year did you start your blog? 2013. 2013. And I probably found you on Pinterest like, what, 2014-ish? Because you have a lot of viral posts on there. <laughs> Let me tell you. Oh, you think I'm viral? Oh, thank you. I, Hell I'm yeah. Not, I'm not <laughs> Hell yeah, you are. You do really well on Pinterest. And that's, oh, I think, you. I'm telling you, that's why I think we really connected. And then, of course, we met in person when I came up to Canada last year. But yeah. Yes. Yes. The demonstration, you saw me from the stage. <laughs> That's cute. Right. <laughs> you were like, Sam! Everyone turned around and looked at me, and I'm like, well, that just got awkward. <laughs> yeah, I can't help it. I'm a loud mouth. Like, when I see something, I just can't. I have to say I have no filter. <laughs> I loved it. It was so great. <laughs> so uh, when you started your blog, what what did that look like for you when you first started? Did you know anything about photography, blog writing, any of those things? No, no, not at all. I mean, I, I, I did, did have my Master's of Fine Art, and I was working as an art director at the time, um, which I actually hated. <laughs> but, um, but no, I've never picked up a camera before that other than, like, you know, your odd cell phone snap. And that's how my, my uh, blog started, for sure. It was just my cell phone pictures under my normal kitchen lights at night looked terrible. <laughs> Oh, I had no it was yellow, huh? food styling. Oh, so yellow and like so messy because I didn't have any like concept of food styling. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, if I just sprinkle some crumbs around, it'll look good. And I'm like, no, it didn't. It didn't look good. <laughs> and then I had this concept that like, I'm going to make my recipes fuss free, which I, I still lead that concept. But the original way I started doing that didn't really work because I just wrote these 
recipes in quotations that um, had no specific ingredient quantities and really vague instructions. I'm like, this makes it so much easier for everyone. But little did I know that only made it way harder. Yeah, because people, a lot of times when they came across you, they probably didn't even know how to cook at all. So that felt like a lot (laughs) overwhelming to them. Like, yeah, use some of this and some of that and whatever. And then I get comments be like, this recipe didn't work. And I'm like, well, it should (laughs) have. So I learned how to change that around, luckily. But yeah, no, my the beginning of my blog is rough. I've, I think I've removed most of those posts, although I still have my first post just because it's kind of, you know, sentimental. What did you do to step your game up? Yeah, well, when I started getting um, comments from people uh, loving my recipes, then I kind of started researching it. And I think I came across Ochi Glows first, um, who I don't know if you know, but she's a super successful Canadian blogger mm-hmm. who does vegan as well. Angela, right? Um, yeah, and I was like, oh, this girl makes a living at this. Like, I didn't even know that that was really a possibility with blogging. Like, I was new to blogging. I had no, I didn't follow any blogs. I didn't know anything about blogging. I just kind of started putting stuff on the internet. Um, and so then I kind of took it more seriously, and so I started researching how to, like, write a recipe, how to blog, how to take photos, doing all of that stuff, how to make your blog run better, anything. Like, everything I just started researching like crazy and uh, slowly but surely started building better content, better photos, better writing, all of that stuff. From beginning to end, how long does it take you as far as recipe writing, testing, Mm -hmm. photography, writing the blog posts, all of that? How long does that usually take you? It totally depends on the recipe because sometimes I get a recipe right like fairly quickly, but other times I have to test a recipe three, four, or five times. I think I'm photographing a recipe later today, which it'll be its fourth time making it. So that's a lot of playing around in the kitchen, a lot of visits to the grocery store until I feel like it's just perfect. And then, of course, you have to make it again because then you have to photograph it because <laughs> oh I like to do step-by-step photos. I haven't been testing as many recipes as I used to. Mm-hmm. And I used to just do it so much. I would drive my family crazy because I would serve the same meal <laughs> for like a week straight <laughs> because I was trying to get it right. So is that yep. like is that for you? Are you eating on the same recipe for like weeks at a time to get it right? Or do you share yeah, a lot of your food? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I often invite friends over to eat things. I mean, I generally, when I'm recipe testing, I make smaller batches because um, it's only me in my house. So yeah, um, but yeah, no, I am eating a lot of the same over and over a lot of people assume that I have like a really amazing fridge full of so many delicious things and I'm like yeah but it's just like one delicious thing at a time exactly right (laughs) I can relate to that I know when I first started reading a lot of food blogs back in the day people would just have like all these stories they would tell and then they would share the recipe do you feel like you have to do any storytelling or is it kind of just like here's the recipe try it little bit of both so once I do the recipe testing and I then do the photography and edit all the photos and then I write the post usually I write the post like an, on a different day than I photograph the recipe because I just feel like I need a fresh mind to uh, feel what I want to write but yeah sometimes it's just completely food focused it'll be just be like this is why I like this recipe this is why I think you'll like it kind of talk um, and then sometimes I have a story to tell that's either related to the recipe or not at all related it could be just be what's going on in my life at the moment but I like to do a little bit of both I, I think it's fun to get to know the person behind the recipe but I always want to make sure to talk about the food itself because of course that's what people come for yeah so let's get into the business behind blogging the business this of blogging <laughs> So I know you said that Angela was the inspiration because you realized, oh, my gosh, I can make a living from this. Let's talk about the first time you made a dime from your blog. Oh, my goodness. Yes. I think Yeah, I think I probably made like literally 
10 cents in a month when I started it. Were there ads? You put ads on your site? Is that how you did it? I did, yeah. I started with ads and affiliate links. Um, and I think that's pretty much how I started, yeah. But I made no money in the beginning. Well, I had very low traffic. I, mem- I remember the first day that I got 75 page views on my blog, and I was like, oh, my God, I'm so famous. <laughs> famous, yes! <laughs> It was a very slow build, um, and and it, little by little, I got more and more, and made more content, and had more stuff for people to look at and click around on, and yeah, slowly but surely, I actually started making decent amount of money on the blog, so that was great. <laughs> yes, I'm sure that you have multiple streams of income at this point. So, mm-hmm. what are like the I guess the biggest streams of income as far as um, having for your website? Now I'm lucky enough that I have a very high traffic blog. I get about a million page views a month. Gosh. Um, <laughs> And this is Pinterest, or where is this traffic from? Um, actually, most of it's from Google. Apparently, I'm good at SEO, and I don't know how I ever really got good at it, but um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to be picking <laughs> your brain about this. <laughs> what? <laughs> A million? Oh, my God. Yeah, so yeah, so uh, I think I get most of my income from advertising, for sure. Yeah, so that's kind of nice, because I'm still able to provide free content for people, and then there's just an ad in the corner, which hopefully they'll just ignore, but that means that they are contributing my, to my work just by visiting my site. So it's win-win, I think. Oh, wow. So you're still doing most of, is it like Google AdSense on the side or is it something that's like through a network? um, I I work with Ad Thrive, uh, which I highly recommend. They're a great network. Ad Thrive. So you put that and you just have to put one or it just depends on what campaign you're having or what's, how does that look as far as getting, being a part of that? Do you have to have that type of traffic in order to be a part of uh, Ad Thrive? Um, I think with AdThrive, you have to have a minimum of 100,000 page views. Um, so they do work with like bigger blogs for sure. And then when you sign up with them, they're really good. They take the time, they go over your site, they recommend where ad placements should be. They like to check in and update you and say like, you know, this ad placement isn't making money, so let's get rid of it because they don't want, just like you, they don't want to have too many ads on your site because it can be annoying, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so they try to make your site as optimized as possible and getting as much revenue as possible while being as least annoying as possible I guess yeah <laughs> find them really good and helpful and um, then they just manage it for me they basically just auction off the ad space that I've given them to the highest bidder so I don't have to do anything so it's great <laughs> oh wow so do you do any sponsorships directly with brands though or is it just that no I definitely do that as well yeah um, occasionally when a brand approaches me that's a really good fit I only work with brands that I really truly like and use because I think I don't want to like lie to anyone that'd be weird and make me feel uncomfortable right of course uh, so yeah so once in a while I do sponsor posts with brands um, I haven't had much time to like reach out to brands so I haven't done one in a while but every now and then someone will approach me and be like hey uh, we have this great pasta or something. And I'm like, yeah, I love your pasta. And then like, would you like to make a pasta recipe? And I'm like, sure. <laughs> and just feature it. So what does that, what does that look like? It's usually just featuring the product in the recipe and yeah. It, yeah. And linking to it basically. Yeah. I mean, sometimes they have, um, questions or like suggestions of things they want me to say. Often I'll tell them what I think my readers will like and won't like. So for example, if they try to push like a really health focused recipe and I'm like, "Eh, I don't think my readers are going to love that so much. I would recommend making like a vegan fettuccine Alfredo or something instead, you know? Mm -hmm. Which, Um, and how are they receptive to that? They are. Yeah. I think, I think, you know, they come in with their ideas and their pitches but I think it's a lot stronger when you tell them what your brand is instead of them telling you what your brand is. Absolutely. Um, and they'll, they'll get better results, too, if they listen to you. So I think, oh, it's, yeah. I think it's win-win. Yeah. Okay, so when you do sponsored ads and then you have the ad, what's another stream of income for you? 
Um, so affiliate links for sure, um, which is just when I, when I recommend a product, I include a link. And if someone decides to go and buy that product, then I get a small cut of that at no cost to them. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's cool. So I can recommend my favorite products. And if someone likes to buy them, then wicked. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's <laughs> just, why not? <laughs> why not if it's something you already use? Why not? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so that's great. And then, um, and then, yeah, I guess also the cookbook would also be an income source. <laughs> yes, we're going to talk about the cookbook and how you can yeah. use it. Because I think a lot of times when people write a cookbook and, you know, I think it's like a way to, of course, leverage. Um, you can. It's like a business card in so many ways, your book cookbook because you it allows you to get into like probably rooms you weren't able to get into before oh absolutely yeah absolutely so we're gonna definitely get into that but first I want to go back to this SEO thing because I am <laughs> blown I did not realize you had that type of traffic and a lot of it is coming from Google I think it's about 67% right now is coming from Google which is like huge <laughs> so do you do any kind of keyword research or anything like that when you're writing your blog post I don't actually I didn't even realize keyword re research was a thing until recently <laughs> oh wow so I think I just make recipes that mainly a lot of times I make them from reader requests. And so I think they're things that are generally not out there a lot. Or if they are out there, they're maybe a little bit more complicated than my recipes or use ingredients that are harder to find. Um, so I think people just really like the content I make. And I think it's oftentimes pretty unique. I mean, there's not like a lot of vegan egg recipes out there. So if someone searches for a vegan egg, chances are one of my recipes might come up, right? Yeah. Uh, I think it's just like partly that my recipes are kind of unique. You use a lot of everyday ingredients. You know, you use yeah. things that are pretty easy to find. So I think that that definitely works in your advantage. And also your food is good. I, I exactly. like the fact that, yeah, I like the fact that your um, recipes are very approachable. So that helps for sure. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I try to make them as approachable as possible. I mean, I live in Toronto now, which has a million like health food stores, but I actually grew up in the country. And like, I just grew up knowing country grocery stores, which just really have the most basic things and there's a lot of people that don't live in Maine like metropolises that have all these fancy ingredients and frankly I'm lazy and I don't want to do two trips to the grocery store I already go <laughs> enough as it is <laughs> and so like if I can't find the ingredient in my base in my regular grocery store I probably won't use it only on a rare occasion if it's something really special and really unique that I think people should try but for the most part I just like easy everyday ingredients easy everyday recipes you know weeknight meals yeah, for sure. So let's talk about your book deal because your book came out. It's been, what, five months since your book came out. Yeah. Uh, really yeah. Tell us the title of your book because we have to I have to make sure that people buy it. So what's the title of your oh, book? Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Fuss Free Vegan. So everything we were just talking about, all our comfort food favorites, veganized, made easy using easy to find ingredients. How did that happen? Were you approached by the publisher or did you pitch yourself? Like, what did you do as far as getting your book deal? Yeah, I was approached by them. So that was super fun and pretty much the most exciting email I've ever received. They just uh, sent me an email and were like, hey, we'd like to meet you. And like that was pretty much all the email said. It was, so it was super vague. But obviously, it's a cookbook publishing company. So I was like, okay, they clearly want me for that reason, or at least they're considering me for that reason. So then I booked a meeting with them and I went in and uh, met people. And it was just like a great meeting. And then oddly enough, I was like so unprepared. Um, because they asked me what, what what my idea of a cookbook would be. And I had no idea. I didn't even, like, think of that. I was just like, I don't, I don't know. I have a vegan cookbook? What you <laughs> yeah, they just want to be like, what would it, like, what would the focus be? More than just veganism. And so, yeah, I was a little bit, I didn't know. But luckily, they liked me enough 
that uh, they asked if I'd want to do a cookbook proposal, which while I was working on, two other publishing companies actually approached me. And so it's like, overwhelmed. Oh, oh, and do you think they but, found you because of all of the traffic? Um, I don't know how they found me. Um, uh, actually, the, uh, with uh, Appetite by Random House, who's the company I went with, uh, they found me because I met a woman who also works at Random House in a completely different apartment at a party. But like, I didn't even like think about it when I was talking to her. She just asked me what I was doing, and I was like, "Oh yeah, this." And apparently, she checked out my blog afterwards and uh, recommended me to the to the cookbook department. So that was lovely. That was just like a nice That's coincidence dope. of meeting someone. But the other companies, yeah, I don't know how they found me. My blog wasn't really that high traffic at the time so I don't know well did you go into this initial meeting with no one did you go by yourself yeah it was just me I like wore this like weird outfit I wore orange pants and a black shirt I looked like a Halloween pumpkin I'm not sure why I did that this is so uh, you oh my god <laughs> <laughs> just do awkward things when I'm nervous I guess <laughs> oh my gosh so you went into the meeting and then afterwards did you go try to find an agent after that what did you do no, so I worked. I was working on the cookbook proposal, and like basically a cookbook proposal, or at least what they requested, is a mini cookbook. Like they want your whole concept, um, some example recipes, and so like you really want to put a lot of time and focus on making it exactly what you think you want because this is your chance, right? Mm -hmm. um, so that took a couple of months, and so when the other publishers uh, approached me, this is when I was like, oh my goodness, I don't know what to do because I don't, I've never even dreamed of writing a book before, so I have no idea how this works. Um, so I reached out to some family friends and luckily I was able to form a connection and got an agent. Um, and once I submitted my proposal to Random House and they actually wanted to get a book deal with me, then yeah, my agent was able to take over at that point and negotiate all the things that I have no idea about still. <laughs> yeah. So how did you find your agent? Yeah, so that was just through family connections, just like a friend of a friend of a friend nice. uh, recommended this one agent, and she's like amazing. Her name is Sam, too. So clearly I was like, yes, you're cool. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, Sam. So how long did it take you to write this book? Uh, well, it's funny. The contract at first uh, said that the cookbook should be released in 2018, and I was like, 2018? That's like forever away. I'm going to be ancient by then. <laughs> <laughs> Little did I know that they were probably right. Uh, they were giving me two years to write it, and I gave myself about a year and a half instead. I negotiated with them to give me less time. I didn't realize that that was a mistake. Because <laughs> all of the moving parts, they go into putting this book together. It's a lot of work, yeah, because um, originally I wrote 125 recipes, um, and you know, when I when I signed the deal with them, they're like, oh, yeah, you can start sending over any of the recipes you have. And I'm like, I, I don't have any of these recipes. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, I, I just knew that I could figure them out, but I haven't actually written them yet. So, yeah, I had to write all the recipes, and I did all the photography myself, and I did a lot of the design work myself. I even, like, made my own handwriting into a font because I'm just someone who, once I start something, I, like, put myself all the way into it. So it was very important to, to be just the way I wanted. So, yeah, it was a huge amount of work. I think I spent about a year writing the book and editing it and doing all the photography because then it takes like half a year for it to get actually printed and brought over to Canada and that kind of stuff. Wow. So you did your photography too. So did they give you any advance money or anything so to, to keep you afloat while you were doing everything? Yeah. So that's generally how the book deals work. They give you an advance and um, basically that's just like a lump sum of money and um, you kind of work, you use that to write your book and like for the expenses of groceries and stuff like that. And then um, uh, when you start selling your book, uh, you basically pay back your advance in a sense. Um, so you, uh, the percentage of money you make 
just goes to paying back your advance. And then once you reach that point where you've paid back your advance, then you actually start making additional money. Yeah. So do you get like a, uh, I guess, a royalty check every month or quarterly? How does that look? I guess. I haven't gotten one yet, so. Oh, it's coming though. I have no idea. It's coming. Hopefully, yeah. Yes. I know your book is fairly new still. Have you been in situations where you're like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm here because of this book? Yeah, no, I got to do so much um, press stuff and touring. Like I think I was on the radio over 20 times. I got to be on like morning shows one after the next, all sorts of places. So yeah, it's been a lot of fun for sure. My book uh, got ordered for a reprint after only one month of being on sale. So like it was just doing really well and yeah, so I just had so much energy. I was just so excited and that people were liking it. Because the thing is, too, is like normally I'm used to posting a recipe, people try it, and then get I get a review. But this, I had been working on like 101 recipes that no one had tried really except for me and like some family and friends. And so I'm like, oh, my God, what if they don't like them? But yeah, luckily, people seem to love them. There's over 150 five-star reviews on Amazon. So everyone's going nuts for it. So I'm so happy. Nice. <laughs> did you do a lot of promotion on your blog, letting people know that it was coming? Or did you do any behind-the-scenes type of post? I did. Yeah, definitely. I talked about getting the cookbook deal. So starting with that and every now and then I had kind of updates and then the release of the cookbook. Yeah, so definitely little stories here and there of, how it was going on and I think when I was uh, doing Instagram there's like some behind the scenes footage and that kind of stuff but I had to be careful because I'm not allowed to reveal too much until it's released so that people get excited. <laughs> yes definitely so speaking of Instagram like how do you put social media into all of this because you're so busy I'm sure you're still doing a lot of promotional things behind the scenes with your book and I know you are because your publisher reached out to me and pitched me <laughs> to be on my podcast and I was like I already know Sam and we have our, you're already on my calendar I'm like I already know her <laughs> it was so, so funny. funny I know it was crazy <laughs> when I told you that you're like dang well that's good <laughs> so how do you yeah. fix social media into all of this do you use it a lot or because I don't feel like you do but do you no <laughs> <laughs> I'm terrible at social media. I wish I was better. I have some friends that have like 100,000 followers and I'm like, how do you do that? Like, I'm, I'm good at Google, I guess, but I'm not good at social media. So I don't know the secret there. Um, I do try to post every day. I don't always. Um, I don't feel like you post every day. <laughs> do I you? try. Yeah. Do you really? I, don't, I feel like I see you like once a month. <laughs> I'll see you. Huh. Yeah, the the yes. algorithm is not working for me. Yeah. I do try to post every day. Um, and I do love like Instagram stories and I like sharing products that I found that are vegan that are really good or just like kind of connecting with people on a more one-to-one -one level I think that's really fun yeah but as far as like actually sending traffic to my blog it doesn't do very much like I think uh Instagram is less than one percent of the traffic that gets to my blog and I think Facebook is like maybe five percent so yeah so I, I definitely for me it's definitely not a great venue of getting traffic. It's just more about connecting with the readers. Yeah. One of the things that I really love about you, Sam, is that you're just the type of person that you just jump right in. Oh, we were talking you. about, yeah, we were talking about YouTube. And I know you started on YouTube a while ago, but you didn't consistently upload videos. So now you're on YouTube all the time. You're on there weekly. So let's <laughs> yeah. talk about what made you decide to go to that platform on a consistent basis. Yeah, so um, originally, like, I had no interest in being in front of a camera. I'm, like, a little bit shy, which I know people find hard to believe. but it's shy. <laughs> <laughs> I used to be. I was that kid who would, like, hide in the corner and not talk to anyone. <laughs> Learning how to not be shy and be in front of people is a new thing for me. <laughs> yeah. 
But um, but yeah, so basically it started for me because um, I saw that there was a contest uh, sponsored by Love Lentils, um, or at least that was the hashtag Love Lentils, and they said if you post this YouTube video uh, using showing a recipe where you make lentils, you could win um, a chance to go and film a cooking show with Chef Michael Smith. And I'm like, well, I want to do that. So as you say, I jumped both feet first and um, uh, filmed my first YouTube video and ended up winning the competition and going and getting to film with Chef Michael Smith, which is awesome. Oh, and, wow. Uh, I didn't know this. Yeah. So it was really fun. And he's like a Canadian uh, food celebrity. He's like all over the Food Network and that kind of thing. Um, so that was really cool. And that was my first time kind of putting myself in front of a camera and then and then in front of like a real camera crew, which was super intimidating because all of a sudden there's like a whole bunch of people and eight cameras pointing at you and they're kind of like, just go. And you're like, uh, uh, yeah, about <laughs> that. <laughs> so that's how it started. And I really enjoyed it. Um, but I was so busy writing my cookbook and building my blog that I didn't have that much time to post consistently. So kind of every now and then I post a YouTube video. But now that my blog is kind of on a steady stream I've kind of got it going um and that my book is out I've had a bit more time and I'm not good at sitting still I'm always <laughs> wiggling around so I gotta do more stuff so yeah this year um for January I decided to make it my new year's resolution that I'd post a video every single Wednesday and that's what I've been doing I haven't missed a Wednesday yet I think that you have a perfect like the perfect personality for you too because you oh, have nice. yeah you have great <laughs> energy and a lot of times people they have good energy but it doesn't like it doesn't show on video. Like it doesn't transfer over to video. And I think yours <laughs> does. Do you hype yourself up before you record so that you can um, get that? No, that's just me. <laughs> See, that's what I'm saying. There's like nothing about you that crazy. seems shy to you. <laughs> Even though you're shy, I think that maybe it works to your advantage because you can control the energy because you are in a room by yourself. Nobody else sees you, but that just you and that camera, right? <laughs> So exactly. Get... <laughs> yeah. Well, and I also did some public speaking with my along with my book, um, both at a blogging conference and then like lots of, of vegan festivals, which is where I saw you. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. before we wrap up, Sam, give us some tips for someone who's thinking about going vegan and they're not sure where to start. Uh, well, I would just say uh, hop over to a blog. It could be mine or other people's, whatever you like, and just find some recipes. I think the best place to start is just kind of veganizing your favorite recipes because then you're not leaps and bounds from where you already are like grab a vegan cereal so you have some breakfast grab some fruit and nuts so you have some snacks and then maybe make like a chickpea salad sandwich start with kind of simple recipes and I think you'll be pleasantly surprised by how delicious they are and how good you feel and you'll probably want to stay vegan forever <laughs> yes. tell us the title for your book again and where we can get it it's called Fuss Free Vegan, and it is available worldwide. So it's on Amazon.com, Amazon.ca, Barnes & Nobles, Chapters, everywhere. <laughs> yeah. And where can we, how can we reach you? What's your website and your Instagram? So my website is It Doesn't Taste Like Chicken, and that's basically my handle everywhere. So you can find me on Facebook, It Doesn't Taste Like Chicken, Instagram, It Doesn't Taste Like Chicken, Pinterest, It Doesn't Taste Like Chicken. <laughs> <laughs> it's memorable, though, because I'm telling you, that's how I do it. I was like, chicken, what? What is this? <laughs> Let me go to this website. Yeah, um, we decided not to name my cookbook It Doesn't Taste Like Chicken because you're worried that people would look at it at a glance and think it's a cookbook about chicken. <laughs> yes, that was a good idea. <laughs> not to do that. <laughs> 
Yeah, but I do like the name of my blog. I think it's kind of like a fun little kick and kind of takes some of the seriousness out of vegan that I think can be there a lot, which is obviously important, but I think it's important to also have fun. Yes, so important. This is why I think, and I saw the humor in it right away. As soon as I went to your website back in the day, I got it. I was like, oh, I love this, you know? (laughs) And and that goes with you being an approachable brand. And it is about being fun. It doesn't have to be stiff and boring and lame, okay? It doesn't. That's it. And I think that's what happened for me before, before I became vegan. I always saw vegans as very restrictive and cranky and holding up protest signs. And I think all of that's important, but uh, I don't think a lot of people were showing that you can be vegan and have fun and laugh and enjoy your food and have parties and hang out with friends. And so that's the side of veganism that I really wanted to show. <laughs> so you're doing a great job of that. Absolutely. Thank you so much. <laughs> you're welcome. Thank you so much for being on the show, Sam. I really, really appreciate it. And I know that your tips and your approach is going to help a lot of other people go vegan. Uh, thank you so much for having me. It was such a great way to start the day. Thanks so much for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, be sure to rate the podcast five stars on iTunes to make it easy for other people to find it. And of course, all of the show notes and everything we mentioned in this episode can be found at brownvegan.com under episode 69. Thanks so much for hanging out and I will talk to you next week.